0: All right, it's Christmas time at the LOH, as you can see, and we're going to be in messages focusing on the message of Christmas all month, including the Sunday after Christmas. And we are having church that Sunday. We're going to... uh, be looking at different aspects and facets of the Christmas message from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today we begin the series theme is called Comfort and Joy, how to look at all this stuff and what does comfort and joy mean and how does God comfort us and give us joy in the midst of our life. I'm starting out with a message today, a pretty strange title, but, um, and it's going to be a strange message maybe. It's another way to look at it from Matthew's account with this message titled, Messianic Mercy for Messed-Up Lives. Don't you wish the people with messed-up lives would have been here with us today? My goodness. Well, at least we can go home and tell them about it and help them out, right? All right. So um, uh, back in the 90s, my, my late Uncle Fred Apple uh, put together uh, this, this book, and, and, and we bought it uh, at, uh, at one of our Apple famous Apple reunions. And uh, and so uh, he tracked us back to a guy named Thomas Gilmore Apple, and uh, from Germany, and um, uh, Joseph Henry Apple, who was uh, the first president of Hood College. Uh, he's a relative of mine, but certainly a lot smarter than I. Uh, he 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 found this letter written by uh, Andrew, who was the son of Thomas Apple. And he describes the origins of our family line. And it says that it, we came from Germany. Um, and the actual title, uh, real name was Adelbold, meaning bold noble men. <laughs> what am I going to say? Uh, I wish I could stop there. It gets worse from there. Um, but then it goes on to say, uh, 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 coming from the forests of Sa- Saxony. And, and uh, those who bear his name have been found in Austria, Switzerland, and France. And then he goes on to say, I do not think, but sometimes I have been afraid that this may be the case for us, as I have found out by experience that I have some bad blood about myself. And it has given me a good deal of trouble to get clear of it. The old Saxon's chief had a great deal of bad blood about them too. And I thought, well, there's our origin. <laughs> anyway, that's the, the, that's the apple side. That's my mom's side that comes from Germany. Um, and uh, my, my McGregor side, the Scott side, uh, comes, uh, of course, from Scotland. And, um, <laughs> and there are all kinds of characters in, in our family line, um, including me. But, uh, but it's, it also, it's also been interesting to find that there has been a scarlet thread of redemption, a faith line, in both lines of my family. M- the McGregor line uh, that has a, the, the McFarland line, and the, the Apple line that influenced people of the past that came to know Jesus, uh, including my mother and my father. Um. Since time began after Adam's sin, God wove a tapestry through the good and the bad, through the godly and the ungodly, to bring his Savior, the Messiah, Christ, into the world. And the gospel came through others uh, from the very beginning who had great qualities and not so great qualities. There was Peter the apostle, but there was also Simon inside Peter. And uh, there's another side to all of us, am I right? I am right, yes. But the Messiah's plan, and you know what? Through, through anointed and very imperfect people, the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth. The gospel that came to you and to me came from someone that God used who was anointed and very imperfect. The Messiah's plan was and is and into, is to come a fail-safe perfect plan because under it all the gospel is a grand reveal of the mercy of God not a record of great men and women what are the odds of something incredible happening in the family bloodline of people with the following characteristics Liars, conniving to grasp an inheritance unearned, belonging to someone else, men with multiple wives at the same time, a line that included rape, prostitution, adultery, conspiracy to commit murder and succeeding, and many cover-ups. What would be the odds of that family line living in the winner's circle? That's the family line of Abraham, Jacob, Judah, Ruth, David, and Joseph, the husband of Mary, which means it is the family line of Jesus. Messianic mercy for our messed up lives. Here we go Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and then verse 16 from the New King James Version. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christos Christ, that's not his last name, that's the anointing, the promised one from the Old Testament Scriptures, walks out in human flesh. He's the descendant of David and the the descendant of Abraham. And then we get to the 16th verse. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, why does the New Testament start out with this long uh, uh, verse-by-verse record of a genealogical line? Why is that important? When we open up Matthew's account, we are coming into a story that is already fluid, a story that is already in motion, a a story that's been going on for millennia. And when we get to this next verse... We are not at the beginning of the story of God. We're in the middle. And it says the following. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, which is the King James varnishing of before they had sexual relations, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, this is the key, son of David, meaning this is a a, son of David. Get the clue on that. Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Next verse, and she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. That's the English that comes from the Greek, Jesus, which comes from the Hebrew, Yehoshua, which is where we get the English name Joshua. So a new Joshua is going to be born and here's how he will deliver you. He will deliver his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet 700 years before, by the way. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her. That's not mean like, I don't know who you are. It means... King James varnishing over, they didn't have sexual relations, did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we don't need to ask you to come. You're already here. We're already anointed. The church is anointed. The Spirit is with us. We ask you now to enhance that anointing that resides with us today and open our eyes, open our ears, and our hearts to see the marvel of your mercy, to not only see it, but receive it fresh. Whether we're bathed in it now, whether we've never experienced it before, I pray for that man, that woman, that young person who believes that they're too far gone, that they're not good enough, that they'll never be able to measure up, and I pray that you would blow that up today with a revelation of what you've done in others, surely you can do in us. Bring your mercy and new life through Jesus Christ. And we thank you that it's going to happen because you always watch over your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genealogies. The, the, The A side of this genealogy in Matthew 1 is this. Jesus of Nazareth fulfills the family bloodline promise of the real Messiah, But the B-side of the genealogy is this. And if if you just read through it, you don't see it, but we're going to read through it today. We're going to look at the B-side. The B-side is this. The bloodline, all in it, every person, reveals the brokenness of the family and the merciful faithfulness of God. Within this first chapter is the who's who in the Messianic Hall of Fame, right? Look down over these names. Abraham, right? Hall of Fame. David, Jacob, Solomon, Hezekiah, Josiah. They're the who's who. But then there's also the, the who? Who? Not the band. The who? Who? Like, like, I mean, how many of you think when you think of the Messianic line of Jesus, the first person you think of is Ram? No. Or, or, or Shealtiel, right? No, you don't do that. You don't. Who? And we know the hits, right? We know the hits. We know the great story. We know all the stories of Abraham, the the, the top 10 stories of Abraham. And how about David? We know the hits of David. But there is an underside. There is a B side. Um, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s where we still had those little round things that you put on this thing called a record player. And they were 33 to the thirds or 45s. And how many of you had a stack of 45s? How many of you still have a stack of 45? Come on now. Right? Yeah, I got you, I got you. I just bought some a couple weeks ago. And, and, and listen, here's how it worked. They would put the, what they thought was gonna be the hit on the A side, and on the flip side, was usually, uh, you just throw that one on there, it wasn't. And, and, and so the B side really wasn't that great, unless you were the Beatles. <laughs> so the Beatles would put Penny Lane on the A side and Strawberry Fields on the B side. The Beatles would put something on the A side and come together On B-side, lest I brag uh, about my band. But the B-side of this genealogical story will bring more hope to you and me than the A-side. And here's why. Because the B-side of all these people that we know as the who's who, the excellent stories, none of them are exempt from hardship and a revelation of their own brokenness in the Bible here's the thing about the Lord's mercy and grace the Lord's mercy and grace is not a cover-up for our sin but it's an uncovering of his faithfulness as brokenness is revealed within those God uses significantly to fulfill his purpose do you hear what I just said The truth of that should give every one of us great comfort and joy, because not only are the great heroes like us, some of them are worse than us. Now, I know we're all sinners, but I don't think I have a room full of, um, well, we'll talk about those people later. So the great truth today is comfort and joy is about God in his mercy, willing and proven through record that he is willing to use people who are not only a little messed up, but a lot messed up. I remember in days when I was doing a lot more counseling when I still was convinced that just because you get a Bible degree that makes you uh, Sigmund Freud's brother, because it really doesn't. But back when I did a lot of that, I'd have people sit down with me and say, now, Pastor, before we get started, I just want you to know, I come from a dysfunctional family, and I used to say, what other kind is there? (laughs) Show me one that isn't. I mean, there are degrees, right? Sister Bruce, one of my great mentors, uh, the little English lady that I talk about, she looked at us one day and she said, oh, brothers, and she held up her Bible It was smaller than this one. This is the blind man's version. I'm not kidding, you see? She held up up the Bible and she said, oh, brothers, this is a book about the greatness of God and our great Savior. There are no great people in this book, only an extraordinary grace about their God. It only cost me $10,000 to hear that. <laughs> How do you love that Christmas song? Mary, did you know that you're a baby boy? I'd sing more, but I'd have to charge you. But I want to flip that around and say this. Mary, did, Mary, did you know? When you look down through the genealogy, Mary, did you know about Judah and Tamar it says in this genealog- genealogical line hey isn't jesus the lion of the tribe of judah well guess what judah did tamar was not his wife tamar was his son's wife and he promised her that when her husband died too soon if that she withheld herself from marrying anybody else and stayed within the family line that when his other son grew up, he promised that son to her so she could continue in the blessed line of of the sons of Jacob. Guess what? Judah forgot. Tamar didn't. And so you know what she did? She knew that there was a place that Judah would frequent. It was a house of prostitution. And so she went there dressed like a prostitute. And he's walking along the road to the sheep shearer's event with his friend. And he goes, I got a good idea. Let's stop by the old, wasn't Chick-fil-A. Let's stop by, I got a good idea. Let's stop on over and see what's up. And he did. And he, uh, he went into her, King James. I'm just quoting the Bible. And she got pregnant. So I think the terminology for that in today's vernacular starts with an I and ends with a cest. Messianic mercy... For messed up lives Judah the lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus and she gives birth to Perez who gives birth to Hezron who gives birth to who Ram Mary did you know let me ask you this Mary did you know about Boaz and Rahab Boaz is the great, noble, legendary, kinsman, redeemer in the story of Ruth, extraordinary man, gracious man. He is actually a type and shadow of Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear into that, and uh, go- I'm going to do a thing called the gospel according to Ruth someday. He is the type in the Old Testament that reveals what Jesus, how he would redeem us. His mother, Rahab, was a prostitute who put the scarlet ribbon out her window when the spies came. Joshua sent the spies to Jericho. And that Rahab's son was Boaz, who met Ruth, married Ruth. And before we talk about that, let's just talk about Rahab. Rahab, it doesn't say, after she put the scarlet letter down, went on to be a women's ministries leader of the Pentecostal Holiness Bible-Believing Baptist Fellowship of the Mother Mary Intercessors Club. (laughs) If you read it closely, it doesn't even say she stopped being a prostitute. It doesn't say she continued, but it doesn't say she stopped. Mary, did you know? Did you know? We're on the flip side of the hits of the great great patriarchs mary did you know about ruth boaz marries ruth ruth was a moabite why it's important to still study the old testament most people don't know what that means you just go ruth the moabite but if you knew the old Testament, you go a moabite here's why you'd go a moabite because god cursed the moabites to the 10th generation and said none of them could come into the temple of the lord why was that? I want to tell you in a second. But before I tell you, I want to tell you who Ruth gave birth to. She gave birth to Obed. Who's that? He is the father of Jesse. Who's that? The father of King David. The Moabites. Ruth came from the Moabites, a cursed brood. Why are they a cursed brood? How many of you knew that Abraham had a nephew named Lot? Lot. How you know Lot got in a lot of trouble? Yep, he pitched his cl- tent too close to Vegas because his wife said she loved Vegas. Him being a godly man, he does what his wife tells him to do, right? We know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Unless we make people nervous, we won't talk about that. So after Sodom is destroyed and. Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. We won't talk about that either. He lived in a cave with his two daughters. And one day, the older daughter said to the younger, I've got a great idea. Let's get our father drunk and have him sleep with us. Just a typical church-going family. Family. In the Bible, the Bible's, it's like the, watching the old series Dallas. Or what's the new series, the uh, series is? I don't know. I'm grazing at, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, it's all in there. It's in the Bible. Let's get our father drunk with wine and lie with him. And this goes on. And they both do. And then it goes, the short version is, the older daughter had a son and named him, ready? Moab. So in this genial, Mary, did you know that your ancestors were really, really messed up? Mary, did you know, Mary, did you know that Judah went to the prostitute? Anyway, I mean, it's a little different, right? They left that lyric out when they wrote the song. They left it out. Hey, God didn't leave it out. You know why God didn't leave it out? Because he knew that there'd be people in our generation and other generations that think they're not good enough to follow Jesus, that think their their families are too messed up. How could they ever be in ministry when, how could they, how, I've had people that I've asked to come to our church and I've literally had this answer, Tim, if I came to your church, the walls would cave in. I said, I promise they won't, I know, you should see some of the people that are there. (laughs) And I preach there and God hasn't stricken me dead yet. Mary, did you know about David and Goliath, I mean Uriah? And look what I have here, see how I capitalized Bath and Bathsheba? So, Solomon, Solomon is the the kingly legal line through which Jesus must be born. Solomon, hmm, okay, here's how it goes. David is out doing his evening devotions on the roof. (laughs) Shout to the Lord all the... And he looks down and he sees this woman bathing in her woman of faith outdoor bathing suit from the Holy Ghost Christian Bath and Body Store, <laughs> soaking, soaking in essential oils straight from the cypress trees of Lebanon. Right? Oh, see, that doesn't mess us up, does it? And David, man after God's own heart takes the, it's not the first look sometimes you can't help the first look it just ha, it comes in your path it's the second look that gets you in trouble followed by the third and the fourth and in the memory of the look any human beings in here does essential oils keep that from happening to you We're talking about messianic mercy for messed up people in the Bible. So he thinks to himself, I got an idea. Who is she? That's the wife of Uriah, one of your most trusted warriors who would not only take a bullet for you, but is taking bullets for you. He goes, hmm, I got an idea. Let's get him out on the front lines and get him killed so I, can fulfill, so I don't have to sin. I can just have a biblical way in. And I'll add her to my <clears throat> other wives. Other wives? Where's the verse where God goes in? I was mad about that and kicked. What are we, Mormons? It's a story where God isn't saying, no, I approve of that, boy. He is saying, y'all messed up. Let's keep going. Isn't it interesting today? Behind the giant killer was this guy same guy can i ask you this did, did, did david kill goliath out of his own strength or did um the holy spirit empower him isn't that weird is anybody hot like me or am i just preaching getting myself hot you guys ready to pass out or is it just me i got a sweater on today i thought it was ugly sweater week but i was wrong no it's not <laughs> So he gives birth to Sol- they give birth to Solomon, and then Solomon gives birth to Rehoboam, and Rehoboam splits the entire kingdom of Israel up through, through idiocy. And out of that, another king rises up to, uh, uh, to, uh, to counter that and make Israel great again. And so he sets up a whole new religious system where God told him not to do it. So you have a southern kingdom in rebellion and a northern kingdom way in rebellion, and the whole country is divided. And then out of one of his sons comes a son named Hezekiah, who is a great king, who gets sick, and the prophet Isaiah comes in to give him a wonderful word of, speaks the word of faith over him, says, you're going to die, get your house in order, freaks him out. So he goes into the temple and he cries out to God saying, please spare my life. Please spare my life. So the Lord gives him 15 more years. In that 15-year span, Hezekiah has relations with his wife, and she gives birth to another son who becomes king when he's 12 years old, and his name is Manasseh. And he is in this genealogical line. Problem, though, Manasseh wasn't a good boy. He ruled for 55 years, And he was a bad king. I'm going to read it from the New Century version because it makes it real clear. He reintroduced all the moral rot and spiritual corruption that had been scoured from the country when God dispossessed the pagan nations. He Listen. He rebuilt the sex and religion shrines that his father had torn down. He built altars and phallic images for the sex god Baal and the sex goddess Asherah. And God let it didn't like it all he would have had to do was not answer hezekiah's prayer isn't it amazing how we have god and the formula on healing are all figured out don't we all just know how it's supposed to work you got a scripture to help everybody don't you i do too if you just And he caused them to worship the cosmic powers. He built shrines to the cosmic powers in the temple of God. He burned his own sons in a sacrificial rite in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. In other words, he'd have been out there in front of the Supreme Court last week. He practiced witchcraft witchcraft and fortune-telling. He held seances and consulted spirits from the underworld. You know what else he did? Most scholars say he had Isaiah arrested and sawed in half. The one who gave us the verse about the virgin will conceive. The one who gave us the, he was wounded for our trans, him. And if God, God, did God know this guy was gonna pull that off? He did. We're looking at the B side. All these things, if God cared about people, why this? Listen, that's not the question. The question is, why would God let any of us in? Mary, did you know? And here's one more than that. Let's go to the next one. And Mary, did you know about Jeconiah's curse? Jeconiah is in the Matthew genealogical line. He is a king under these kings. And it's through this line that Jesus will have to, and he didn't ever claim it, but the, the, the apostles are, that Jesus has a legal right to the throne of David through this line, and Jeconiah's in there. Problem. God cursed Jeconiah, it's mentioned in Jeremiah 22, for a, for a, a heinous sin, and, and swore by himself that no descendant would come from his body. Now, how do you keep the kingly line going? There are two genealogies in the Gospels. One's in Matthew, and one's in Luke. Mary's is in Luke. Joseph's is in Matthew. Here's the thing. If you read the Matthew genealogy closely, it'll say, and this person begat this person, son of, son of, son of. But when it comes down to Joseph, it doesn't say who is the father of Jesus. It says, Joseph, full stop, the husband of Mary. Here's the reason. Because Jeconiah's line is cursed. Joseph is of the legal, legal line of those kings. But so is Mary. But Mary's line, when it gets to David, doesn't go through Solomon. It goes through Nathan. And one of the reasons, not the, is this interesting? one of the reasons not the only reason why it had to be a virgin birth of course the bloodline was was, was tainted with a sin nature but also also there was no line that could come through jeconiah through joseph's side except for legal for a legal technicality that made jesus in that line being the Not biological, but the familial uh, heir to Joseph gives him the legal right from that aspect. But from Mary's line, and Luke's all about details, instead of going from, uh, from Abraham and David down, he goes up all the way back to Adam. Interesting, huh? So what does all that mean? By the time Jesus is born, the great family tree of the kings has been lofted down to a stump. Lofted down to a stump. Isaiah says it will be this way. Look what he says. Isaiah 6. The Lord has removed men far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, but yet a tenth will be in it. There's always, God always, God always has a people, even if it's down to a few, and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak, whose stem remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed, that's the Messiah, shall be its stump. God doesn't need a nation. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need me. God, what did John the Baptist say? Don't think because you're Abraham's descendants. God can take this stone and make it a descendant of Abraham. The next verse, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of who? Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. He will grow up like a young plant before us, like a root from dry ground. Do you see that? And then in Isaiah 53, talking about the Messiah, when he's a man, he possessed no splendid form for us to see, no desirable appearance. He was despised and avoided by others. A man who suffered, who knew sickness well, like someone from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we didn't think about him. What this is saying is what Paul summarizes in Romans. So are we Jews better than the others? Huh? No. We have already said that Jews and those who are not are all guilty of sin. There is no one righteous. Not even one. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now, for all of us newborn Christian believers, I've also found that everyone keeps sinning. Raise your hand if you stopped sinning when Jesus saved you from your sin. Raise it up. Come on up. You can finish. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. So, comfort and joy, let's go there. Let's bring it to me and you. What about me and you? What about all of us glorious halos sitting before the Lord in this room today? And what about all those sinners out there? Not including you live stream. What about people with a past and not only a past but a present that doesn't measure up to God's perf- perfect standard? And what about in our future when we won't measure up? What about if we're really not like our Instagram portfolio for real? You ever see some of the celebrities? Hi. Hi, guys. Look. I just wanna, I'm gonna put this stuff on here today because I know you've been waiting for me to like put makeup on my face because I was on a show on Netflix. And so, therefore, you know, I don't want you to feel bad. I don't, don't judge yourself. Don't. We are messed up folk. Not the people that do it, the people that watch it. You look down, 1.5,000 people are watching right now. Woohoo! What the heck? Seriously? How do I know? Because I watch. (laughs) But I refuse to buy essential oils. It's the principle of the thing. I'm kidding. Here we go. Ready? The Lord can keep his word while threading his plan through our brokenness at the same time. Everybody needs to know that. The Lord can keep his word while threading his plan through our brokenness. Let's not think about all the sinners out there. Let's think of the sinners right here. Huh? Maybe you're a dad and you've been evaluated your whole life as not measuring up. And even though you have friends and others who affirm you today, it doesn't hit home because you carry the deep question that you've carried your whole life that was never answered by the people that you needed to answer that question, do you have what it takes? Therefore, your quest is to prove somewhere along the way, somehow, even as you wear completely out, that you have what it takes But even when you do something that seems to be what it takes, you still wonder and you still work and you still worry. And you don't show your worry in worship. You don't show your worry to your wife. You don't show your worry to your kids. But you worry if you ever found out that you don't measure up, it haunts you continuously. Is there a place for you in the genealogical messianic line? There is. You've never made the who's who in your family. You've never made the who's who at your job or jobs. If your name is mentioned at work, people go, who? Ram? Shiltio? They don't go, oh, yeah, Doug Heffernan. Oh, yeah. Where would this company be without Fred Flintstone? Where would we be? I know. And there are names of men in this first chapter. you got to read it. Go re- and then go read the Luke one. And you'll read the thing. And here's the thing. There, there are some people named in this genealogical record that if you, if you look up any commentary, they'll just say, yeah, there was a guy named this, and uh, he was related to them, but we don't, have, we don't know much about, much about him. But here's the deal about these no names that are named in this line. Without them, the whole bridge blows up. Without him, the link stops. Without them, it's, there is no link. There's no gospel. There's no you. And in their time, maybe they just thought, who am I? Do you know there are people who have gone off to find themselves and they still haven't found themselves. And you may never achieve a well done in this life in the eyes of anyone. And the people that you and I long. If just they would say it. Sadly, sadly, there are those who will never hear it. That's not right, but it's real. But my friend, if you and your humility can somehow realize that the only approval you really need is what I really need. From God through Jesus that says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. God can raise you up and use you even when you don't even know you're being used. Like my father, whose main mission in life he didn't realize he accomplished, was getting his kids a regular continuous basis into the house of the Lord to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that incrementally and slowly began to make an impact into my heart. How about you, woman? Mom? Maybe you carry a question. How will I father my kids as a mother with a father absent? Excuse me, Walgreens is calling to tell me my prescriptions in. Don't they know some of us go to church? Forgot to turn the volume down. My assistant didn't help me do that. My assistant, Jit Graham, he was down there in the front. Let me go back and say that again because I forgot what I was saying. Let's say you're a mom and you think, how am I going to father my kids as a mother with no father in the house? Or a father in the house, but he's not in the house. Here's the answer. It will be much harder for you than most. That's true. But the hard things in life do not separate us from the mercy of Messiah. Actually, it attracts him. If you search the Scriptures, that's what you see. When people are forsaken by everybody, including the godly, Jesus shows up for them. Here's another one, and I know there's, this is the world we live in now. How can I come out of the darkness and the pain of sexual abuse and live like a holy bride untainted before the Lord? Truth, it will be harder for you, but not impossible because God opens doorways to healing and light and forgiveness and comfort in massive doses for people who have been through the pain like you, because you're not the only one. The pain of sexual abuse is so rampant in the world And people aren't necessarily coming out of the closet saying this, that. Not everybody's saying me too. Not everybody. But it's real. And the reason why Jesus put the B side of the A side in here is because he is saying, I can thread a beautiful tapestry even through the stories that you don't want anybody to know about. And not only do it for you, but because I do it through you, hope for others will know God can do it for them. That's what comfort and joy mean. Here's the second point. The Lord remains faithful to us even as we struggle with mystery and tragedy in others and in our own line. His faithful mercies promised to David are promised to us as well. Mysteries? What do you mean? I mentioned a few. The Hezekiah thing. Do you understand? I don't get that. Right? i want to march right up to God and tell him. I don't get that. Why did you let? Wouldn't it been better for Hezekiah to croak? Instead of give birth to Manasseh? Oh, by the way, that's not the end of Manasseh's story. Manasseh got right with God, and in the Chronicles it says, there is no king that ever repented as deeply as Manasseh. We better be careful when we see people... In the moment of their life, taking a still shot and defining it for the rest of their life. We're talking about a Messiah who is passionate, passionate, passionate about threading mercy into messed up lives. And that makes you and I. Fully eligible. God, why did you allow babies to be slaughtered when Jesus was born, every kid under two? Why did you allow your son to be called a bastard most of his life when he goes into the hometown church in Nazareth and they say, isn't this Joseph's son? That's sarcasm. The Lord remains faithful to us even as we struggle with mystery and tragedy and others in our own line. Do you know what happened when Bathsheba got pregnant? That baby died. Do you know sometimes when tragedy comes into our life to the people that are, if we walk in Psalm 91, we'll never get sick crowd, he comes and says, do you know why this happened to you? Here's the real truth, there are no easy fixes, there are no easy formulas, and there are no easy explanations, and there's no denying unless you live in it, pain and perplexity even in the life of a believer who lives in the light of God's true word. This is a book, not about great men and great women, who understood him fully. This is a book about the greatness of a God whose loving kindness toward broken people is from everlasting to everlasting. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who... He keeps his word. I want to close with this. There are 108 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. 108. Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled them all. I said that with my Appalachian. I said fulfilled them. Fulfilled them all. In Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, he says this. One of the 108 Messianic prophecies fulfilled by Jesus, one just to be born of a virgin, is astounding. In 1958, renowned mathematics and astronomy professor Peter Stoner studied and calculated the chances of the fulfillment of messianic prophecies. He concluded that the probability of even eight of those 108 coming to pass is conservatively one in 100 quadrillion Now, if you're not a math major like me, all you can say is that sounds like that's really impressive. (laughs) But if you are into math, your mind's blown right now. That is one with 17 zeros following. So that inspired me when I read that to write this, and I posted it on Facebook the other day. I wrote this. The Lord Himself, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, challenges those who worship other so called gods. It's as if He says throughout all the ages, What promises have you made? What have you announced before it came into being and then by your power brought it into being against all odds? Tell us. Show us, Brahma. Show us, Allah. That's right. He just called them Bell, and he named their names, Dagon, and all these. He named their names. It's like in the arena of the so-called gods of the East and the West, God literally throws down the gauntlet and asks them to compare to him. And then I wrote this. Have you ever taken the Christmas story out of the romance to do the the math? And then I wrote this because I was starting to get anointed. And I had two cups of coffee already. I wrote, God needs no pat on the back or a teary-eyed emotional thrill and chill with a Christmas tree lighting and a carol sung by those who will put him back in the box until next year. We are but grains of sand. The revelation of Jesus, God in human flesh, dying for the sins of all humanity is the meaning of all meanings. Jesus being born to die to give each of us undeserved the privilege to be raised from the tomb of our own dead soul as a pure gift of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. In spite of our delay and even indifference, he calls us still to come and enter by faith into mercy, grace, and love. That's the reality of all realities And it's the opportunity of a lifetime. But that opportunity of a lifetime can only be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. And that opportunity ends when the time of your life ends. I sum it up with this, Romans 11. And this is why Paul says this, looking back at the B-side of the great heroes of the faith, no one good, no one great. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. And then he exclaims, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Would you stand please? With your heads bowed and your hearts humbled before this one Who doesn't need a thing from us. But he can't deny himself. He is love incarnate. He is love infinite. He is holy and righteous and true. And he lives in a high and holy place. But he also lives with the lowly. And he shows us. His first night as a human being was spent in a feeding trough of cattle to say, I will get lower than you and get under your lowliness and get under your depravity and come into your messed up life because I love the world so much and my love is so great that I would rather die for you then you live without me. Holy Spirit of God, with the angels longing to look in wherever the gospel is proclaimed, looking down over the precipice of heaven, standing within the candlesticks of this church blazing, waiting for a look, waiting for a yes, waiting for people before they even say Jesus just to get the j part out you're ready to forgive them come to me come to me he says though your sins are like scarlet they will be as white as snow though they are stained red like crimson i will make them white as wool for my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on his name while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous person his thoughts, and come to God, and he will have, a mer- he will have compassion on you, and he will freely and abundantly pardon you. That's the good news. Comfort comes to those who throw all of their wreckage into his arms. Joy comes to those who have a revelation that in spite of all the wreckage, in spite of the secrets, in spite of the haunting shadows and ghosts of the past and the present, He longs to bring you the joy of an experience of having all your sins separated from you forevermore. So why would you spend one more second in this opportunity of a lifetime to not seize it in this moment that he's created just for you? Messianic mercy for messed up lives. That's me, Lord. That's every person I've ever met, every preacher I've ever listened to, who's honest, every person that's ever walked this earth, every good person, bad person, whatever. We're all in need. And I pray that from the front to the back, Those watching and those who will watch, those who will listen, in a moment of divine appointment, arrest them today with the gospel and draw them by your power to the only name that saves. For there is no name under heaven given to men by where we must be saved, but the name Jesus. And I pray in this place that people will say yes to him. If you're in the front, you're in the back, you're somewhere in the middle. You say, Pastor Tim, I want you to pray for me. I want God to hear your I want God to hear my heart. I need a savior. I need a savior. I need a savior. Would you raise your hand right now? I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to pray for you and pray with you. I want to see it over here on my left, over here on my right, front, back. Pastor Tim, will you please pray for me? I see it. Anyone else? yes you can put it down put it up put it down father i pray we pray right now come on church we pray for every person that is humble enough transparent enough to say before men i confess my need of jesus christ i am not ashamed to say he will not die in vain for me i will receive what he did for me as a gift in my life of his mercy I pray for every person that prayed that prayer, Lord. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, Lord, that your gospel came to them with power and much assurance. I pray your gospel would come now, not only in words, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and power so that everybody that raised their hand and those who wanted to and didn't will not have their faith in a preacher, but in the faith of the power of God. And I pray it today, comfort and joy come like a mantle fall like a canvas and a canopy on men and women in this place. For those who are wounded, beaten and bruised, I pray they'd find a place of comfort and healing. If you are in need today, if you wanna come out of the shadows and may God bless you for your courage to do so. You don't have to say why or what, but I'd like to meet you here and pray over you. I know what it's like to battle. I know what it's like to have secrets. I know what it's like to know that if people really knew the stuff you're going through, You weren't sure. The devil already told you. They wouldn't listen to you anymore. They wouldn't want to hear from you. They wouldn't seek you out. I know that lie. The devil's a liar. Some of the greatest healers in the world are people that have been healed and are healing in their greatest hurts. May God bless you as your ministry begins through the healing that happens to the hurts in your life. Why don't you start today? Walk out of the shadows. Find a place before the Lord. And as Ruth said to Boaz, meaning What we would say to Jesus, Jesus, cast your garment of loving kindness over me. Her whole life changed from theirs. Would you do it as they sing? I'll meet you right here. Others will come and pray with you and pray for you. God believes in you. God believes in you. Let him do a work of great healing in your life. In Jesus' name. That's my message.